Do you have your Bibles this morning? We have been uh, going through many passages, and I just have this really deep burden, um, especially in our Korean Adventist churches. For those who are not Korean, you'll, you'll allow this internal discussion amongst uh, my peoples. Uh, but we are often starving for an understanding of the Bible. Yes? Too often we don't, um, in the many churches that I've been to, and I'm sure that excludes the churches here, uh, we don't often get into the Word of God, studying and getting into the Word. Um, I find it interesting that many Koreans are intelligent, and I thought every Korean was smart. Uh, every Korean that I met got high grades on their SATs, ACTs. Every Korean that I met uh, could do mathematical calculations like this. Every Korean I, I met, meet, will meet, uh, is a doctor, dentist, lawyer, or uh, some variation of that sense. And uh, I thought, man, these, this is an advanced people. And uh, God can do many things through these people. Then I went to Korea, and I, I met some dumb Koreans there. And, and I was like, oh, like Korea is, is normal. And so what happens is it's not based, uh, and, uh, and Malcolm Gladwell um, supports, and this is, why, this is not the sermon, you're getting this for free, um, is, is we, we are an a, a immigrant culture. And I have a burden for this immigrant culture. A lot of your parents, your omas and your appas, have kozinged through a lot to allow you to saddle this choke now. And, uh, and the fact that you understand Konglish makes me very kipo in my mouth so we can communicate on this switching of, of, of communication. And um, I believe God has called Koreans to a certain destiny, called Americans to a certain destiny. Uh, each culture has a role to play, I believe this, uh, whether to reveal a certain attribute of God's character or a certain role to play in the last times or whatnot. And I also believe Korean Americans have a certain role to play. What God has blessed with, he also expects responsibility out of as well. For those of you who are different cultures, uh, the Lord has responsibilities and expectations for all of us. Amen? Uh, but we are here as a con Korean, con Korean American, predominantly Korean American congregation. And I say that not to exclude anyone, but as a burden of my heart and is a privilege to be pastoring uh, as a Korean American pastor. I say this because there is a Darth in our community of pastors. I've only been here a day, and in this one day that I've been here, I've been offered jobs across North America. Can you come pastor our church? And I'm, I'm saying this not because of some merit on my end, but it, is show, is, it is, is evident of the lack of pastors out in the Korean American uh, the community. And we have, praise the Lord, with people like uh, Jimmy, Jimmy out here who, who is taking the role on by himself. And, but we need a whole generation and wouldn't it be awesome? And praise the Lord, there are Korean-American doctors and dentists and blah, 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 blah. But wouldn't it be awesome if we had a whole generation of preachers with, and going out into the world? And did you know this? And I'm, I'm laying this on your heart. In non-Adventist circles, it is Korean-Americans who are in leadership positions. At Harvard, Yale, Stanford, uh, John Hopkins, UPenn, I uh, can go across the whole Ivy League and then some. It is Korean Americans who are in the leadership positions of Campus Crusade, of Adventist IVP, and I'm not Adventist, uh, InterVarsity Press, of Crew, uh, in international missions. It is Korean Americans at the forefront of this in non Adventist circles. In the Seventh day Adventist church, uh, we have our leaders going to Loma Linda. And praise the Lord, Loma Linda is a great place. We need doctors and whatnot. 
But I implore you, if you're going to Loma Linda, do not be a normal doctor. Live the rest of your days in luxury in Southern California and, and, and just wasting your life. Not that people that are wasting their lives are, but they kind of are. And then there's praise the Lord for conversion. And there is a generation of doctors from the Loma Linda area going out into the world and doing missions as well. And some of them are here in the Atlanta area. But you'll allow me for the, uh, the liberties of speaking a little bit frankly to you, but it is a burden on my heart to do this. And, and I think, and especially in this congregation, you should allow me these liberties beers. Where else are you going to hear this? And if you don't, I'm leaving tomorrow. Okay, John chapter 3 is where we're at. John chapter 3. If you're there, please open your Bibles or open your phones, open your apps to your Bibles. John chapter 3. If you have a hand one, it's even awesome. I don't know whose Bible this is, but I have it. Presented to the Son of Man. <laughs> I don't know who the Son of Man is. That's not a Korean name. Like Son, Son Man? Son Man? <laughs> your Bible's here. John chapter 3, verse 1. The, the sermon is entitled, A Little Knowledge. Please bow your heads with, bow your heads with me to, um, to encounter the word this morning. Father in heaven, we ask for a special blessing. You blessed us this morning, blessed us last night. Lord, this blessing comes not from humor. This blessing comes not from a tickling of knowledge and intelligence. This, this blessing does not come even from power, emotions, music. This power solely comes from your word the understanding of your word and then the understanding of your word bleeding into an experience with you. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to make these things possible this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible reads, There was a man of the... Last night we talked about the Pharisees. This particular man was named Nicodemus. The Greek Nicodemus comes victory of the people. By the way, if you're wearing sneakers, you're, you're, you're Nike. The Nike brand is the goddess of victory. You are, have pagan idolatry on your, on your sneakers. Here, Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. And I mean that facetiously. If, you don't, if you're wearing Nike, don't take them off because your feet might smell. Verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night. Here is, this is a story that's made familiar to a lot of us. Here was a man. In John chapter 3, you have a man. John chapter 4, you have a woman. John chapter 3, it's nighttime. John chapter 4, daytime. John chapter 3, you have someone of high class. John chapter 4, you have someone who is of low class. John chapter 3, you have the man coming to Jesus. John chapter 4, you have Jesus going to the woman. You have these bookend experiences contrasting John chapter 3 from John chapter 4, and it's emphasizing... The one-on-one experience with Jesus. Young people, today, do you have an one-on-one experience with Jesus? Um, I'm Korean-American. I I, I love the Korean language. I speak Korean. I married a Korean-Korean girl. Now, I know for those of you who are not Korean, you're like, oh, man, you guys all look the same. You're all the same. We're radically different. Korean-Americans are American. Made in USA. We start crying when we hear the national anthem. We know, and I stand up, and we stand up, and we're proud to be an American. Korean Koreans, they're Korean. They live, and they they come from a land far away uh, with magical people over there. 
I am, 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 am feverishly American. I, I believe we should uh, know about government, politics, taxes, economy. Uh, you know, Georgia is, is more Republican. Michigan tends to be a little bit more Democrat. And just the differences. I love the fact in the South there is a Southern accent. I love the accents. This is America. Amen? This is the most unenthusiastic group. Okay, and there's people here, I hate America. <laughs> as proud as you think that you are an American, being raised by Korean parents, there is an element of Korean culture that still remains in a lot of us. For example, when I ask you to respond, all of you respond, not so much. That is a remnant of Korean culture. Yes? Those who respond, you are more Americanized. You say, yes. Now, the one thing that I, that I realized was is that um, Koreans think in terms of corporate. There is no individuality. My wife, she's always thinking about the larger whole. What is best for all of us? Our people, our one blood. The 한국 민족들 위해서 한 나라라. And I'm thinking, what in the world? I'm an American. It's all about me. It's about my rights, my responsibility, my role, my destiny in this life. Pulling up my, my bootstraps by my, my boot, my boot. Pulling up my straps by my bootstraps. <laughs> Doing it by myself. And then I can succeed. And so a lot of times... That we speak the same language, she speaks English, I'll speak Korean, we communicate. But sometimes we have these values that conflict. Now, what is amazing about the American culture, and what I believe that it is it's just so vivified in the, in the spiritual experiences, in the American spirituality, it is my encounter with God. My individual experience. And I believe we all need to have an individual experience with Jesus. It is the pastor's responsibility to, to nurture these kind of experiences, but it's been my experience that many of us have not. Koreans, in Korean Koreans, often do not have an individual experience, but they have a corporate experience. A what experience? That's why we're here. Did you notice? Korean people like getting together. And then, it's just kind of like, come together, you do thing, and you leave. The Bible emphasizes is actually we need both experiences. Amen? And even the saying amen together, it's when even congregational singing, even hymns, hymns are kind of boring. They don't allow for these individual arias and, and, and like these, these, these solos to happen. Why? It's based on congregational singing. You lose yourself in the multitude. Here in John chapter 3, verse 1, there's a man, and he wants an individual experience. This guy is a, is a Pharisee. He's an upper class. He's a white collar. He's not blue collar. He's well-educated. Back then, they had to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy by age 12. Okay? For those of you who are in your MCAT classes, in your LSAT classes, in your SE classes, you have nothing on the Jewish people. 
they give the Torah to the baby right after they're born. Like, memorize this. And they're like, they're reading the Bible when they're born. About age 12, they're tested. What is the fourth verse of the ninth chapter of Leviticus? And they're like, uh, and he said that you, you are correct. Then you pass on to the next level of education where you have to memorize Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Malachi, which basically is the whole Old Testament. Scribes, Pharisees, and the upper class had often memorized the entire Old Testament. And I would say to you this morning is, we need to learn the art of memorizing Scripture once again. Amen? All all of you are young. Neurologically speaking, your brains grow until age 20. Until what age? For those who are after 20, you are old and neurologically dead. Your neurons die, or they actually plateau off, and by age 30, they start decreasing, and then you start getting old and, and die. But when you're in your 20, up to 20, your neurons are growing. A wonderful opportunity to store the Word of God in your mind. Now, before you think, I'm not going to memorize anything. That's too hard. The American educational system presupposes that we are stupid and says memorization is dumb. Do not memorize. Rather, we memorize everything else underneath the sun. How many of you have memorized all the lyrics to Jay-Z and Maisie and Boozy and Wuzzy, whatever, whatever? How many, we listen to something, we're like, dude, that's awesome. I want to memorize all the lyrics so that when I go on Saturday night to the Norebang, I can pretend to know all the words. Those of you who are laughing, you've done this. Now, I suppose, I'm presupposing that all of you here are intelligent enough to memorize Scripture. I'm not talking about one of these dinky verses. Jesus wept, John 11, 24, 34, 34, I don't even know what verse it is. I'm talking about passages long, that whenever you're going out and you're in your car, or you have the Word of God that's readily accessible in your mind. And it's all in your mind. We will be in a time, eventually, where the Word of God will be taken from us. It's part of our theme song, by the way, if you didn't know this. I think young people are smart. One boy that I met, he memorized all the Pokemon cards in the history of the universe. And I'm thinking, how useless information is Pikachu to the person's salvation? Those of you who are professionals, you've memorized all the the pharmacological and all the physiological and the psychological terms out there. I mean, you're brilliant. Why not memorize principles, words, scripture verses? There's this one girl that I totally thought was, this girl is ditzy in my mind. I'm judging her. I'm a sinner, just like all of you guys judge too. I'm thinking, she's ditz. What does she know? All of a sudden, when it came to handbags, she's memorized them all. I'm thinking, what in the world? She's going around, oh, she has a Prada 1997, and it's, it's, a, it's a Model TX54321 with a souped-up whatever, whatever, and then pearls on the side. And if you go online and get a, the coupon for 1995, you can this, and then and it's spring edition. She has this whole thing laid out in the realm of handbags. How useless of information is that? Now, in this group, every one of you has a certain specialty that you're into. You just make baseball, handbags, Prada, you know, Beyonce. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm saying let's use our intelligence and the gifts that God has given us for the word of God. Amen? 
There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by what? We're going to get three verses here, uh, three passages. Each of these passages talks about Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus was a rich man. Uh, He was not used to, accustomed to people telling him no. And he comes to see Jesus. But he's a bit shamed. Why? Pastor Kurt here is a a good-looking man. Where's Pastor Kurt? Okay, some guy in the back. Good-looking man. By the way, he's single. Uh, pastor Kurt is a respectable man. He's a pastor. What would you think in the middle of the night he was sneaking around in your neighborhood? Next to the girls' dorm. Would that be, 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 be creepy? Yes? Now here Nicodemus is sneaking around at night. Why, why would he do this? Today, night is not night. You know, you go at nighttime, there's, there's lights, there's traffic lights, there's iPads, there's phones. There's just, it's not night. Night is just... Just darker day, okay? But back then, nighttime was nighttime. When the sun went down, you went down. When the sun came up, you went up. Does this make sense? So at midnight, when everyone's asleep, an educated, rich, upper-class man is sneaking around at night. Why? He wants to meet Jesus. Question. Why can he meet Jesus in the privacy of day? Why not? He didn't want anyone to. In Korean, we call this nunchi. Yes? He has a PhD, he has a THD, he has an MD, he's got a JD, he's got an MA, DDS, whatever. But he's got to talk to someone who doesn't even have a doctorate degree, a bachelor's degree, a master, an associate. He doesn't even have a GED. He only has, you've got to watch out for people who only have a fourth grade education. Sometimes they're brilliant. He says, I need to talk to this person. But what if I talk to this person? And then there's a Korean ajima over there, and she's like, What would they think? And so he's paralyzed by shame. By what? So he says, Okay, I'm going to go at night time. Does it make sense? Very similar to Korean culture today. Verse 3, John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus says three things. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot, what? See. Verse 5. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter. Verse 8. The, bl- the wind bloweth where it listeth, but thou hearest the sound thereof. Excuse me. But thou canst not tell where it comes. Three times. Jesus says, you can't, you can't, you can't. You see, for someone who is so rich and so educated, he's not accustomed for someone telling him, you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't do this. The three things that he can't do, you can't see, you can't enter, you can't tell. And what Jesus is doing, get this, this is what's profound. Jesus is using the night as an allegory. At night, you can't see. At night, you can't tell what's going on. At night, you can't, you, can't, you can't enter, you can't walk. And just like the night, your heart is full of darkness because you're worried about what other people think. This is making sense. Korean-American brothers and sisters and those of you who are not Korean-American but still brothers and sisters, are you paralyzed by what people think all around you? Are you afraid 
to be that spiritual person who sticks up because you're afraid what people will say. The Bible says, continue on, verse 14. Jesus continues to say, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Whosoever believe in him should not perish and have, ever, have ever eternal life. You know this verse. But Jesus says, just like how Moses took that bronze cross with a serpent on it and he raised it up for everyone to see, so you must raise me up in front of all men to see. And here, Nicodemus is like, oh, I don't know about this. Continuing on. There are certain levels of shame that we have in our society. There are some people who are afraid of body image. In Korea, it's to be super chopstick skinny is considered to be the epitome of health. Girls, you go there, are like pale white. You end circulation to your face. <laughs> then you're considered beautiful. And Koreans think it's weird because in America, we go to places called tanning salons to make ourselves look Standards of beauty are different. In America, if you're too pale, you're like, ew, they're so pasty. In Korea, you're like, oh, no more yebuda. <laughs> In Africa, the standards of beauty are different. I went to Africa, and some parts of southern Africa, I should say, to have a gap between the teeth is considered to be sexy. So they'll have a file, and they'll actually go through their teeth to get that space. And you go to the supermarket and all the women on their magazine covers, they're smiling and guess what's in between? Gap, 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 gap. Talk to the young people there. The young, young man says, when I grow up, I want to marry a girl with a gap between her teeth. Really weird. In Southern Pacific, women who are more, more horizontally advanced is considered to be beautiful. In Asia, it's is considered to be beautiful. And if you're not, women do all sorts of crazy things to make themselves look beautiful. Maybe thinking, oh, we, we, we Koreans don't do that. We Koreans wouldn't rip our eyes open to make them look bigger. We have to put a double fold and shave our chin lines and make like three nostrils and go through all this plastic surgery to make ourselves beautiful. We don't do that. Maybe you're ashamed that you don't have any money. I went to a pastor to church where one person said, Pastor, whatever you do, please don't come to my house. Please don't come to my house. No, hey, I want to visit you. I'm coming to your house. I went to their house. The guy got upset. They were living in a trailer home. There was a hole in their living room, and everything was discombobulated. And he was, just, oh, he was so ashamed. It's like, hey, brother, I don't care about where you live. I'm just here to see you. It's not just only poor people. Rich people feel shame, too. I went to a home once, had 27 rooms, 27 bathrooms, a humongous estate, and I went, and the guy said, Pastor, I'm just ashamed. I have too much money. What do I do with all this money? Oof. I have like nine BMWs made out of gold. What do I do with it? I don't know what to do. <laughs> Maybe you're ashamed of your mother. Maybe your mother isn't your mother. Maybe you're ashamed of your dad. Maybe your dad isn't your dad. Maybe you come from a blended home. Maybe you're from divorced. Maybe you don't have a mom. Maybe they passed away. Maybe you're, maybe you're ashamed of your family because they're not your normal mom and dad. And when someone asks you about your, your parents, you're like, mm, yeah, they're just kind of... And you're ashamed. I'm talking about something, a human condition. We all are ashamed of something. 
Maybe you're ashamed of your children. For those of you who have children, I just, we just gave birth, my wife gave birth to a five-month-year-old. We had children's story, and all the kids were, were, were just, just angels. My boy was acting up, and I was so ashamed. He was crying. I'm like, my child does not cry. It's Korean baby cry. No. <laughs> we experience shame. Maybe we experience shame of our parents, our children. Maybe we experience uh, shame of our mental health, our physical health. Maybe we can't walk straight. Maybe our legs don't work. Maybe we're psychologically damaged. How many of you are ashamed, would be ashamed if your uncle was psychologically damaged? We don't talk about these things. How many of you are ashamed of addictions that you would have? In America, we are ashamed of age. Yes? In your 20s, they ask you, how old are you? Oh, I'm 25. Yeah. <laughs> you t- after 30, like, how old are you? I'm, you know, I'm up there. You know, getting up there. Have some kids. We don't talk about age. We're ashamed. How many of you are ashamed of your religion? Hey, you're a Christian? What kind of Christian are you? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm a good Christian. Um, yeah. Oh, what kind of church? Oh, I go to a Protestant denomination. Yeah, Protestant. Just nor- normal. Oh, what Protestant denomination? Oh, I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, what? Seventh-day Adventist? Seventh-day Baptist? No, Adventist? What is that? When I was little, when I was asked that question, I went to a Catholic high school. It's exactly the same as Catholics. Everything's the same. We just go to church on Saturday. But everything else, exactly the same. And the guy's like, oh, that's cool. <sighs> Dude, I'm cool. Oh, man. He didn't ask the pork question. Here, Nicodemus wanted to avoid because he was ashamed of his spirituality. And I want to ask you, how many of you are really ashamed of being a Seventh-day Adventist? Do you like coming to things like this? Because for the first time you feel like, wow, look at all the Seventh-day Adventists. We are a big church. Yes. But when you go back home, there's only like three people in your youth group. Your youth pastor is like your grandfather. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this my church is like so horrible. Someone asks you, what, what are you? I'm a, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. My grandfather's a youth pastor and we don't eat pork. <laughs> That's not spirituality. John chapter 3, 16. Here's what it is. You know this, but let's read this in the context of what's, what's, what it's saying. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Meaning, God gave all. Verse 17. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This comes from Brene Brown. Listen carefully. Shame derives its power from being unspeakable. That's why it loves perfectionists. It's so easy for us to keep quiet. If we cultivate enough awareness about shame to name it, to speak to it, basically cut it off at its knees, shame hates having words wrapped around it. If we speak shame, it begins to wither. Just the way exposure to light was deadly to the gremlins, language and story bring light to shame and destroy it. A lot of our parents, our parental generation comes because they're ashamed of something. They come out of the Korean War, their parents come out of the Korean War, whatever generation, and there's just so chengpihe, so that they don't talk about it. How many of you have talked to your parents about their past? Hey, mom, dad, what'd you do when you were growing up? Mola. Oh, okay. What does your grandfather do? Mola. And later on, you find like they're from like some kind of dramatic experience. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 19. This is the condemnation. Are you still with me here? Amen? 
John 19, this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world. Men love the world, love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone that does evil hates the light, neither comes to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, and they are wrought in God. What Jesus is saying is this, turn your nunchi off and say, I don't care what people think Come to the cross and just be open with God. That's what Jesus is saying. But because of our human hearts, we love the darkness, we love suns, so we just want to sit amongst, amongst other people and just pray, the pastor does not call on me. Let's just wait until the sermon is over. I'll shake his hand and get out of there as fast as possible. Shame leads to fear. Fear leads to withdrawal. And this is what's happening to Nicodemus. Second time, second passage. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. This is the second time Nicodemus is mentioned. And every time Nicodemus' name is mentioned, it mentions him as the one that came to Jesus by night. By what, everybody? When I was little, I went to a Korean church in New Jersey. We did uh, 13th Sabbath, and we did memory verses. I went up to the mic and did my 13. Next person came up, did their 13. A girl came up, and she came up to the microphone, and she was about to speak. And all of a sudden, her cheeks puffed up, and the sound came out. And that morning, we saw kumnamulguk all over the stage. She threw up. And what's amazing is, I mean, all the kids, and me too, were like, Ew! Nasty stuff. And every, at that moment, moment, everyone was looking for her mother. Why? Because mothers are awesome people. Amen? They're the ones that clean up after our toll. Okay? And so the elder came up and he's like, uh, let us sing some songs. And so <laughs> quick by the piano and then like the, the, the Samonim club came up and they're like, and they're cleaning them after. But what happened is afterwards, next week, we're like, Hey, you're the one that threw up at Sabbath school. A month later, I'm like, do you remember last month <laughs> she threw up at Sabbath school? One year later, remember last year? She threw up at Sabbath school. Five years later, when we were little, like she threw up at Sabbath school. Ten years later, we'd be going to college and coming back for Thanksgiving. And we're like, remember when we were like at primary? And like, dude, you threw up at Sabbath school. And even now, we go to each other's weddings. And at the reception, you're like, oh, it was so good time. Oh, man, do you remember when you threw up at Sabbath school? Now, praise the Lord, she has a good spirit about it. We call this a moniker that follows the person for the rest of their life. And every time Nicodemus is mentioned, Nicodemus, the one that came to Jesus by night. John chapter 7, verse 32. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Here, the, the, the Pharisees are in a meeting. And they said, you know what? Let's get Jesus. Okay, let's get Jesus. Do we have a motion? Motion. Second? Second. Those in favor? Aye, 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 aye. Okay. Motion passed. Let's get Jesus. So they go online. They go to assassins.com. They order two assassins. And they put in an address. And they go PayPal. And then all of a sudden, FedEx comes up. Two assassins pop out of the truck. Okay, and in my imagination, they're like bald. They have like a naningu on them, you know, and a little little uh, tattoo, a little mustache. One, guy's must- one guy doesn't have a mustache. And their names are Grutus and Brutus. I don't know, just whatever names. And then, and then, and then the committee meeting is, okay, you guys, go get Jesus. 
He's going, oh, okay. <laughs> and they go, they go. Verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. And Jesus is preaching here. He's preaching in front. Whole crowds are there. Grutus and Brutus come to the back. And this amazing, amazing passage. They're like, we're going to get Jesus. Let's get Jesus. And while they're there, they start listening to the words of Jesus, and they forget why they're there. Awesome passage. They forget. They start listening to the sermon. You're like, dude, Grutus, we're going to get him. Dude, let's listen to what. Dude, amen. 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 Bro, preach it, brother. Yes. Amen. And then Jesus calls it end, and everyone goes home. They're like, hmm, let's go home. And so they go back to the committee meeting. Verse 41, others are saying, this is the Christ. Others said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Verse 44, some would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Verse 45, then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said unto him, why have you not brought him? And verse 46, get this, the officers answered, never man spake like this man. Amen? Jesus is awesome. Verse 47, then answered him, the Pharisees, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who know not the law are cursed. Verse 50. First name in verse 50 is who? Nicodemus. Nicodemus said unto them, parentheses, in case you forgot who he was. He's the one who threw up at Sabbath school. Or what the Bible says, he that came to Jesus by night. And here Nicodemus is one of the committee members. Verse 51, he says, does our law judge any man before it hears him and know what he does? What he does is this. Level one Nicodemus, John chapter three, he's shy. He's so, his nunchi is up, his chengpia is, 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 is so much, he comes to Jesus by night. Level two Nicodemus, he raises his hand. Chogyo, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, this isn't fair. It's not fair. And then the Pharisees say, ah, oh, you know, you don't know anything, shut up. But it took a couple years for him to develop the courage to raise his hand and say, I, I, I just don't think that's, that's fair. We shouldn't do this to Jesus. He was slowly coming out of his shell. My father is a tall man. Uh, I'm probably the only Korean American who's shorter than his dad. Everyone else I know is taller than their dad. My father's about six foot. He's actually here somewhere. In his 70s, he aspired to be a hippie. You all know what a hippie is? Go look it up in Wikipedia. And he grew his hair out really long, and uh, he was just hippie. I like my hair short. I'm a pastor. He likes his hair long. Uh, and and uh, we, just, we just didn't really, we had different values growing up. As a little child, as an only child, I'd explore my mom and dad's house. And there was that one closet full of things that everyone puts into and no one accesses. Do you, do you all have this, this one room? This one room had all my mom's clothes from Korea that she can't fit into anymore. It has all these clothes that are not fashionably appropriate to wear anymore. There's luggage in there, all, all with dry cleaning plastic all around them. And so I had to explore. I'm going to this closet, just amazing things, mink coats that are, that are ugly, and just, ugh, and I'm going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I went so deep. You know what happened? I came into Narnia. That's <laughs> cute. What happened was, in the back, all the way in the back, there was something there, and I screamed. Ah! What is this? Actually, said in Korean. You can boy up. My mom and dad came upstairs, and because I'm an only child, they thought I 
fell and died or something. So they're like, are you okay? And I pointed to this. Appa, dad, what is this? And my dad's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what is this? What is this? What it was, was a suit made out of leather, colored orange. <laughs> and my father said, I used to wear that. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it had a lime green tie, which those of you who are around in the 70s, that was what was fashionably in then. And I said, Dad, throw it away. Surely you don't think you're going to give it to me because I'm not going to wear that thing. That thing's still alive. (laughs) My father said, no, I can't throw it away. I said, Dad, wear it. My dad, I can't wear it. Now, if you listen to him very carefully, my father was stuck in an intermediate state. He can't wear it. He can't throw it away. Instead, it's what? It's stuck in the closet. Many of us, Jesus Christ is an orange leather suit. We can't wear him in public. We can't go to the office and say, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We can't go to our cubicles. We can't go to our hospital buildings. We can't go to our schools and say, I am a Seventh-day Adventist. I do not walk from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. I don't eat spam. I'm sorry. I just don't eat it. I don't drink coffee. I don't do these things on Saturday night or Friday night. I just don't. I'm not one of these people. So we're ashamed, so we can't do this. But we can't throw Jesus away because we grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist. We went to camp meeting. We come to places like this. We have afterglow. We have the, the, the slideshows. And we have the little crafts. And it's just, oh, it's just a happy time being a Seventh-day Adventist. But we can't be a Seventh-day Adventist in public, so we are just private Seventh-day Adventists stuck in a closet. Does it make sense? The third level of Nicodemus is our last passage for today. is John chapter 19. John 19, and we'll call it, call it quits after this. Are you with me still? Okay, don't fall asleep. Asians fall asleep faster than Americans do. No one will call Caucasians because of our eyeship. Verse 31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Verse 32. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they had come to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. Crucifixion is death by suffocation. When you're crucified, and most likely Jesus was crucified not in the hands and the palm, but little down here between the wrists. And according to the physiology of the olden days, this was still part of your hands. It was between the two bones that would be able to sustain the weight. So here Jesus was, was crucified. And because your arms are suspended high up, your chest cavity sinks down. Your pleural cavity has no space to breathe. And so you actually can't breathe. You have a hard time breathing. <laughs> you, you, you shallow breathing. So in order to breathe, you actually push yourself up from your legs, breathe, and because you're so so tired, you sink back down. And so people who are crucified are on this cross, going up and down, up and down. And by the way, the crosses are not nice sandpapered wood, you understand. Galatians says it was a tree. Romans went, just knocked something down, and they did not sand it down. So Jesus' back was lashed 39 times. The whips of the Roman era were not Indiana Jones's whips, 
but long pieces of leather with screws and shards of glass and porcelain interwoven into the leather. So they'd whip the person, this leather would come across the body, and they'd pull down at a certain angle and rip out flesh. That is what the Bible calls it, stripes. By his stripes we are healed. And at a certain point, you're just carving out on bone on bone. This back was put to the cross. And here Jesus is suspended. And these Jews come and say, you know what, tomorrow is Sabbath. We can't have these dead bodies lying around, or uh, these nasty bodies. Why don't you just kill them? So they go to the first one, and they break their legs. <laughs> if you break their legs, can they push up anymore? No. If they can't push up, they have what? Died. They go to the guy on the left. They go to the guy on the right. They're, they kill them. Then when they come to Jesus, they see that he has already died. Jesus did not die from physical means, but on, on an additional means. And here, Jesus has fulfilled prophecy. Has fulfilled what? Not a bone shall be broken. Verse 34. One of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. Forth came out blood and water. Verse 35. He saw that he that saw bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he said it's true that you might believe. Verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Verse 39. Get this. Last verse. And there came also who? Nicodemus. And in case you forgot who Nicodemus was, he's the one who threw up at Sabbath school. Or, what the Bible says, came at the first to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Nicodemus took three years to be converted. How many years? Level one Nicodemus, totally shy, coming to Jesus by night, totally ashamed. Level two, Nicodemus, he raises his hand in a committee meeting. He finds the courage to say, you know what? We need to do what's right. Level three, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is there standing at the cross. Nicodemus, who has memorized the Old Testament, and all the Old Testament verses are flashing through his mind. All the messianic prophecies of Jesus are coming to fulfillment while he's looking at Jesus on the cross. Not a bone shall be broken. Pierced his side, out comes water and blood. Jesus is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a crown of thorns. He's looking at what time of day it was. It, it was. It's fulfilling prophecy. He's looking at the blood pattern. It's fulfilling the prophecy of Passover. He's looking over at his best friend, Joseph of Arimathea, who is a rich man, who's giving him his grave, a fulfillment of prophecy. He looks at the guy on the left. He looks at the guy on the right. These are evil men who have buttressed him on the side. They're saying this Jesus is fulfilling prophecy here. He's looking across. He's saying everything about the Old Testament is being fulfilled right now. How can I be ashamed? This is what my life has been pointing to at this moment in time. So he comes, and he comes with his most expensive gifts to bury the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, later on in Acts of the Apostles says that Nicodemus emptied his wealth. 
emptied his Facebook profile and the number of friends he has for the gospel's sake. And if it was not for Nicodemus, we would not be sitting in this room today. The early church was sustained because of Nicodemus' sacrifice. And I propose this to you. Today, we are living in the midst of prophecy one more time. Jesus is in the most holy place. All the prophecies of the last days are coming to fulfillment today as we speak. You are the final generation. I'm not not coming coming with any other tags besides that. We are the generation that must see Jesus come. And the sacrifice that started the church must be the same sacrifice at the end of the church. How many of you are petrified and paralyzed because of the nunchi factor of what other people will think? How many of you are level one Nicodemuses and you say, Lord, I need grace to be level two? How many of you are level two Nicodemuses and need strength to be level three? Or you're coming to the foot of the cross and you say, you know what? I just don't care anymore. I don't care what that Ajma thinks. I don't care what the Ajasi thinks. I don't care what my wife or my husband thinks. I don't care about my children think. I care what my Lord Jesus thinks. And I want to give all. And Jesus said this, Seek first the kingdom of God. You know this. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added. What Jesus is proposing is not forget all of these things. Jesus says, you need all these things. I'll give you all these things. But seek ye what? First. Our Korean culture says, no. No, you don't. You get your education first. You get your money first. You find the 이쁜 여자 first. You get the 집 first. You get the 자동차 first. You get your 손자 number one, 손자 number two first. And then after all that, 이제 시간이 조금 남으면, 조금 남, if you have something a little bit left over at the end when you're 950 years old, then you can give all to Jesus. And what Jesus says, it's too hard. I promise you all these things. Today, do you need courage to be a Nicodemus? If so, raise your hand to Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know what you're thinking. Raise my hands? No way. What would people think if I raise my hands? So even in raising your hands, Lord, I need to turn off my nunchi to raise my hands. Lord, you know my heart. If your heart really says it, you have an action to show forth for it. I need courage, strength to follow Lord Jesus. If that's your prayer, raise your hands really high for the angels to see. Now, what happens is if enough of the majority does it, then you're going to be the minority who doesn't raise their hand. So when your nunchi kicks on, then you raise your hand after that. It is psychologically tiring being Korean. You know that? It really is. Bow your heads, close your eyes. And in the privacy of your of the darkness, once again, I want to pray here. Father in heaven, I pray that you have filtered through the 
human menial communication of my mind and my lips into the hearts of those listening and to convert it into a convicting message. Father, we need a generation of sacrifice. We need a generation that just says we don't care. We need a generation that is focused. And most of all, though, we need a generation that loves you and has fallen in love with you. Father, for those who have risen their hands, and Lord, we know that you see the heart. But Lord, we are paralyzed by shame, paralyzed by fear. Help us, save us from ourselves. Bless each woman in this room. May they be a reclaimed, reconverted daughter before your sight. I pray for each man in this room of all ages. For those of us who are fathers, Bless us with the leadership capabilities of saving our families for the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who are in relationships, bless our our dating relationships. Bless our parents in the next room over. But Lord, our prayer is to start something here that will end at your son's second coming. This is our humble prayer in Jesus' name. Let all the congregation say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.